Hey guys, Connie here. If you've been a longtime listener, you know that I had to go gluten-free last year and your girl struggled. I'm a sweets girl and one of my favorite snacks at night was a huge bowl of cereal. Up until now, I hadn't been able to find one that didn't taste like cardboard or air. Enter Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors you love, but without all the bad stuff. In my case, gluten. Magic Spoon has been a literal life changer for not only me, but my picky chicken tenders and fries only kids. Magic Spoon comes in a variety pack with four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs. That protein serving has been clutch for my kids in the morning, and I don't feel so guilty about snacking at night. With only 140 calories a serving, it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. It tastes like all of the cereal you loved from your childhood, only it's actually nutritious, so you can eat like a whole bowl without the added guilt. Go to magicspoon.com gruesome to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code gruesome at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com gruesome and use the code gruesome at checkout to save $5 off. Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I am Meg, and Tenacious C, a.k.a. Connie, is going to tell us all about Anne Pham. Andy, but it's... Is it? Is it Annie? Annie? I'm sorry. Yeah. Annie Pham. Do you want me to read it? Oh, no, that's okay. Uh, I did watch a couple of different, like, uh, reports and stuff, and, like, some call her Annie, some call her Anne, um... The police called her Annie, so that's the vibe I'm going to go with. Um, I don't know why I've never called myself Tenacious C before. Tenacious C. I went on a kick last week where I just really wanted to be, like, I wanted to be in a good mood, so I listened to Tenacious D, like, all week, like, on my drive, and I was just, like, on another level this last week, just, like, out of control, ridiculous. You know, it was, it was worth it. I want all of our listeners to picture this. We were <laughs> underage. We were at a part like parties at Ball State. Our group of fellow dorks, because we were all dorks, would party at one of our friends' house and we would have dance hour in the middle of the night. Like it was like midnight was dance hour and you'd just dance and then we would tap it with the entire room singing Fucker Gently by Tenacious D. And every time we were there. <laughs> and that is one of my favorite memories of high school yeah that is that is one of my fondest as well i uh i definitely like at the top of my lungs too in my car yeah like or if they did park next to me like at a stoplight and they heard that they were like whoa i don't know what's going on over there (laughs) uh just hitting that zanzibar and that zanzibar note makes me makes me like a happy emotional tears (laughs) 
Is it because you've been sick and you're now you're like, you're having feelings? I'm having feelings. Yeah, I we went to an unnamed fast food restaurant and <laughs> me and my three kids all got no, like it was my daughter. It hit my daughter within like 30 minutes and probably an hour after her, like I went down and then my boys went down after us. And it was just it was not a, a good nightmare. situation. It was literally a nightmare. We have said this many times, many, many times over the last year. 2022 is the year for cold cases to be cracked wide open. And we're here for it. No family deserves not to have answers, whether it's where a victim's remains are or who is responsible for these heinous crimes. I think it's important to cover these cases as they are solved because these monsters who are responsible, who have lived in hiding for so long, like the cowards that they are, they deserve to have their names and faces plastered everywhere. This wasn't the case that I was going to cover this week. Actually, I have two that are practically written. And when this story broke, I couldn't not cover it for two reasons. One, there was a huge break in this case over the last several days. And two, because there are so many crimes against Asian Americans and other minorities in the United States that aren't as widely covered. And I think it's important for their stories to be heard as well. Your trigger warnings for this week, crimes against children, kidnapping, murder, sexual assault. This is a rough one. Annie's mom lived with her parents in Seaside, California. Her parents, fisherman Tuong Pham and his wife, Nu Li Pham, immigrated to the United States from Vietnam. Her father worked as a fisherman before serving in the Vietnam Army. After the communists defeated the French and the country of Vietnam was divided, the Pham's and their entire Catholic village resettled into South Vietnam, where Tuong was going to start his career as a fisherman again. But before he could, he was drafted into the South Vietnam Army. He served in the Army for 10 years. In 1975, South Vietnam fell to the communists, and the Pham's, along with 200 other people, boarded a 60-foot boat to flee the country. They were at sea for two days before they were picked up by the United States Navy. They were first taken to Guam and then to Texas. The family was sponsored in Texas by the St. Anne's Catholic Church, hence the name that was given to their daughter, when she became the couple's first child to be born in the United States. Annie was born in Beaumont, Texas. Her parents went on to have two more children, bringing the total of children to 10. Her dad really worked his butt off to provide for the family, but Texas wasn't the place for a fisherman to thrive financially, so the family packed up and moved to Seaside, California. He wanted to do his best to support his large family, and he believed that him being somewhere near where he could work as a fisherman was their best chance. Her oldest brother was almost 20 years old when the family relocated. He attended San Jose State College. He majored in electronic engineering. In 1982, the family had been living in Seaside for about four years. Annie was a kindergartner. Her brother described her as a quiet, shy kid who was very sensitive to the needs of others. And I'm going to give this story, and I want you to remember that this is 1982, not 2022. So when her dad was home, if he picked up a cigarette, she would just quietly get up and get him an ashtray just to be helpful. She would help her mom with the kids without question. She was very sweet, very smart, and her teacher said that she was a wonderful student who never missed a day of school. When she started kindergarten, her mom walked her the couple of blocks away to class every day. But Annie was independent, 
And a few months later, she was asking her mom if she could walk herself to school. She was not only independent, but she knew that her mom had a lot going on with her younger siblings and she wanted to help as much as she could. And she knew it would be a huge help to her mom if she could just walk herself to class. Her brother told reporters later that she literally said, quote, stay home, mom. I can walk myself to school. Reluctantly, her mom agreed because, again, this is 1982. This isn't 2022. And her house is on the same street as the school. This isn't a, oh, it's only a couple blocks, like it's really like seven or eight. Like this is literally two blocks away on the same street. That's it. In the months leading up to January, her father had been recently elected as the president of the Seaside Vietnam, the Seaside Vietnamese Catholic Community. And although this was a relatively low socioeconomic area, the Pham's were really finding their place in the community. Her dad was going to do whatever he had to in order to provide for his family and give him the best life possible. And Seaside seemed to be the best place for him to do this. On a cold January morning, Annie's dad was fishing offshore in San Francisco. Like many mornings prior, Annie told her mom, I got this. And she got ready and headed to her kindergarten class at Highland Elementary. Her kindergarten class was set up as like a half-day schedule, and she left the house around 10.30 that morning. Annie never made it to school. When the school day ended and she didn't return home, her family began searching the immediate area for her. They would formally contact police around 8.30 that evening. Before anyone is like, like, what the heck, why did it take so long? I want you to remember that English was not the family's first language. The family exhausted all efforts before going to the police because, of course, you're going to think that she just went somewhere else. Maybe she was at a friend's house. Maybe she went to the store. Maybe she stayed after school. There were a million scenarios in their heads of where she could be that did not involve a sinister situation. And again, this is the early 1980s. And I've read a lot of books and I think about scenarios like within my own family on like my Hispanic side. The police aren't who communities of immigrants immediately turn to. You build this community within a community where they're going to be your first call or where you go first if something happens. This wasn't and still isn't an uncommon situation. According to reports, the police report was extremely minimal, less than a page in length. And at the end of this, we're going to talk about the Swiss cheese effect that occurs that allowed this case to go cold as long as it did. By the time the detectives would be called in to assist in the search of Annie, it would be too late. Not even 20 minutes away at Fort Ord Army Airfield, the base had received reports of an illegal marijuana grove on the South Boundary Street, a base that the place the police went to investigate, like base police went to investigate. A hundred yards off the road in the bushes was the body of five-year-old Annie Fom. Her body was discovered two days after she was initially reported missing. After Annie was kidnapped, again, trigger warning, I'm going to skip over a couple seconds. It was determined that she had been raped and sodomized and then smothered. A few days after her murder, her older brother sat down with the local newspaper in the hopes that because it was such a small community, such a short walk to school, that someone would have seen something and could come forward. He said that his family had moved to the area in hopes of a better future, but they were left frightened and they wanted to move after the funeral because they didn't feel safe in Seaside anymore. He said, we discussed about... After my sister is buried, we may be moving to another place because we cannot live here. What we worry about is all the children in the family. During the interview, her dad sat there, solemn, very quiet. Again, he did not speak a lot of English. He would answer questions that her brother would relay to him in Vietnamese. They were worried about paying for her funeral, and they even had to take out a loan of sorts from her dad's employer for a portion of the money that needed to be 
to pay for the funeral because he hadn't been paid yet for the fishing that he had done in San Francisco. And this is always something that I think about because life insurance is not a luxury to all. And a family barely making ends meet, a death can be catastrophic to the financial aspect of it in addition to the horrific situation itself. And when kids are involved, like my kids didn't have life insurance when they were first born, especially when I was a single mom, because I didn't even, that wasn't something I thought about. You never foresee something happening to your kids. And it's a terrifying thought that, and I know like I'm going to get some grief for saying this, but come at me because I'll stand by this until I die. The funeral industry is a giant scam. It costs, the average cost to bury a loved one in the United States is almost $10,000. Like it should never cost $10,000 to bury a kid, period. And that's, that is a tangent for a different day, you guys. And if you are in the funeral industry, I apologize, but it is so damn expensive. A casket's like $1,000. And it's just, I need to know, I want to know from like listeners in other countries, is this just like a United States thing? Or if this is like, around the world. This is how expensive it is. Because to me, that's just crazy. It's crazy. And cruel. It's cruel. It's cruel. Like you, you experience no parent plans to lose their child. And then on top of that, you're like, if there was a sickness involved, it's like, oh, you have all these medical bills. Oh, also you have to pay five to $10,000 to bury your child. I mean, the medical bills are a separate scam, but yeah, that's a whole. In general, it's, un- it's it feels very unfair. I agree. But I digress. I'm sorry. Unfortunately, there were never any rest in Annie's case. According to the Seaside Police Chief, Nicholas Borges, her case file eventually ended up in a drawer of cold case files. And that's where it sat. It went ice cold. It sat in that drawer until 2020. Oh my her, gosh. Her parents unfortunately passed away without ever knowing what happened to their daughter. And that's a fate that I would not wish on my worst enemy. For 38 years, Annie Fomm's case sat in that drawer until in 2020, it was announced by Borges that the case would be reopened. The Monterey County District Attorney's Office runs one of the biggest, most successful cold case task forces in the country. The task force is ran by DA Matthew LaRoe and has helped solve numerous cold cases in the seaside area and surrounding counties, many from which they came from that same drawer where Annie's case sat a case that many considered the most horrific cold case in the stack. The person who was responsible for this creep, this, the person who was responsible for this crime was a monster. And that is, there's no other way to describe them. That's putting it lightly. That's putting it lightly. The task force was able to resubmit DNA evidence and reprocess the evidence that had previously been gathered. There was DNA evidence that was recovered from Annie's body in the scene but the technology wasn't nearly advanced as what we have today, obviously. The Monterey County Cold Case Task Force had received a $550,000 grant to aid in the processing of forensic advancements to help close more of these horrific cases like Annie's. Seaside Police Department and the Cold Case Task Force had an open file policy for her case, and the Seaside Police Department even opened up like an office within the police department so they could have full access. They could come there and work and they would have a space to go through all of this evidence, every interview, every piece of evidence. But the monster they were looking for was never interviewed. He was never even on their radar. A story we hear so far too many times. Yeah. Thanks to advances in DNA testing, specific to genealogy, the long-awaited ping on the DNA evidence finally came in the last month or so. 
Robert John Lanoue lived a block and a half from the, away from the Fom family. He drove by their house every day when he left their house, when he left his house. Borges said in a statement that he drove by her house every day and all he saw was prey. He saw all of the kids at the house and that's just what he pictured. And he was a soldier at, you guessed it, Army base. He was 29 at the time of Annie's murder. He eventually moved to Reno, Nevada. And about seven years after her murder, he was arrested and convicted on the charges of lewdness with a child under 14, possession of child pornography, as well as the use of a minor in producing pornography. Yeah. The the grossest. He spent almost 20 years in jail before he was eventually paroled. And this 70-year-old piece of crap, they paroled him. He was actually in jail for probation violation when he was served with a warrant for his arrest in the murder of Annie. Good. He is charged Also, with- like, you paroled him and suddenly he got back in for prob- probation violation. Wow. It's so surprising. So surprised by that. Mm-hmm. By that guy. Sorry, go ahead. He's charged with one count of first-degree murder with special circumstance allegations that he murdered Annie while committing kidnapping and a lewd act on a child under the age of 14. He is currently set to be extradited if he hasn't been already back to California to be tried. And I hope that he lives out this miserable existence where he gets beat with soap and his face gets beaten and he just has the worst day of his life every single day. And I, I can't wish enough horrible things on this guy. Because I'm sure, as I'm sure you agree, Meg, this was not his first crime against a child. And uh, no, uh, he had obviously been lurking and preying on, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And his, what he got arrested for in Las Vegas was not his, that he didn't murder Annie and then do one more like horrific thing. And this is child. just this one extra thing. Seven years later. No, absolutely not. It makes me sick to my stomach to think of how many. Annie Fom's cross paths with this monster. Borch discovered her, like he discovered Annie's file in 2009 when he took over the role of police chief. And he said that he was disgusted and appalled when he found it. He said it disgusted him and that he has spent too many sleepless nights thinking about her. He had her picture blown up and put on a tripod earlier this year because he said that he had a feeling that this is the year that her case would be solved. When the case was first reopened, the Seaside Police released a statement that said, Annie, we have not forgotten about you. We are working hard to bring you to justice. Bring you justice. The day that Lanoa was arrested, Borges took her picture to the Highland Elementary School and said, although she did not make it to school that day, she did today. Annie dubbed the Seaside Angel is finally going to have her long-awaited justice, a day that Borges himself has said is the greatest day that he has ever had in his career. And... You guys know I'm a DNA nerd. Like, that's not a secret. DNA technology that they used for this case blew my mind. So the DNA is from a hair strand, like follicle or hair strand that was not connected by a root. So like, it's just like a, you know, like if you cut the bottom. strand of hair. This technology and technique has never been used in a criminal conviction before. And what happens is this family tree gets created and Leno was sitting his disgusting little ass right at the top of the list and i urge everyone when you're done with this episode or if like if you have free time go read about the work of the parabon nanolabs because it is mind-blowing and amazing and it's there's going to be a lot of cold cases that are solved using this technology 
And I had mentioned before that this case had the Swiss cheese effect that we hear about. And it's like, it started, they didn't start investigating. Like there was no initial investigation done properly. By the time the search officially began, her body had already been discovered. And it wasn't by like local police officers. It was, her body was found by base police who were looking for like illegal marijuana. So they weren't prepared to handle what they would find. No, things weren't cataloged properly. It was like a rainy, you know, like it was raining. So like evidence had been washed away. Her file got stuck in the equivalent of what uh, Detective Borges said was a junk drawer, essentially, with so many other cold cases. That itself is so off-putting to me that they they mm-hmm. throw it in a drawer and just like hope someone one day like relooks at it. Is there not like a standard for like, okay, every, like once a year we go through each cold case and review it is what happened. There is. Yeah, there is now. He said that every cold case that they have, he has picked, like their pictures are printed and put in the office. Like they are on display. So this type of thing doesn't happen again. Cause this is gross. Like that part of it is gross. And he, for, for the police chief to be like, I have no idea how this happened. I think, you know, I am appalled and disgusted that it even got to this point. Like, you're just like, and the file was thin. I mean, the police report was a paragraph, like a freaking paragraph. Ugh, and I'm sucks. thankful that he did the work that he did because this monster would be doing the exact same thing that he did as soon as he got out of jail for this probation violation. Yeah. But I want to I want to ask like a, a question that I thought. And you've been around like the military, so you know, like, why were more soldiers not looked at? Because to me, you have to have access to this base to get onto it. Like, obviously, or at least like be familiar with it. So obviously someone is affiliated with the military, like with that army base to be able to be like, I know, because her body was found by a shoot, like by the shooting range. And it was where like the south boundary street of it and where her house was. It's like six miles. So like, there's not a big... There's not a big was, was area. it inside of a base or was it yeah on it was, the it, it was Kurds. I it just was I would feel the like they would have a log of some kind. I mean, it's the 80s, so maybe not cameras or CCTV footage, but some kind of log of who was around that day or who, even like going through and questioning like the people on that base that day or mm-hmm. in that base in general. Like uh, again, I'm not an investigator in that area in that time so i don't know what why that wouldn't have been looked at more closely either and it's infuriating that it was only a paragraph in general and then it was just like well we'll never figure this one out on to the next one boys that is that's gross and i feel like the language barrier with her family probably paid a played a part in it but that just i mean she had siblings that spoke fluent english you know like there, there are translators. There are, you can't just use, well, we didn't really know what was going on. It was like a cop-out. Like that's, to me, unfair. I don't know. Again, yeah, unfair. it's very unfair. Sounds, and it's, it's very unfair, yeah. And I'm thankful that like, you know, Borges like was like, we are going to solve this case. Like this is, I'm. Yeah, I, and that, you know, forensic technology is advanced to the point where it can be pulled from a strand of hair without the root. That's crazy. We we were somebody emailed us about that in the last couple of months talking about mm-hmm. because they were in forensics and they said you have to have the root. And then a couple of days later they emailed back. They're like, guess what? You don't have to have the root. They're working on something right now. Yeah. And it is the example. That's crazy. Is it? And it makes like 
this is going to be huge. Like I love CODIS so much. Obviously, we have like our sticker of the month at a CODIS sticker. I am obsessed with it. And to be able to take what CODIS can already do and add a separate program, it's like people who are committing these heinous crimes are going to be charged. They are going to be convicted. Like it's not, we're not just relying on little bits and pieces of evidence anymore. Like this is going to be a huge thing. And I cannot wait for the next five, 10 years to see how many of these cases are going to be bust wide open. Yeah, it's, I just, I get it. Like I was that same kind of kid that was like, oh, I'll walk by myself. You don't have to worry about it. Like I am, I don't, I don't blame her mom at all, especially if you already have like so many kids to take care of because I was the exact same way. And that just like, Mm, it it hurt that it was only two blocks away and it also like you know it reminded me of my case too and how I was only two blocks away and it's just like it happens too much yeah and like I read that like the area of seaside was not like the best area at the time um detective Borges was saying that it was still a small community so he could never understand how no one saw anything and it's yeah, like no. that person was lurking right there. Like they were waiting. Makes, yeah. Yeah. They were waiting. a predator. Has your brand been struggling to reach the correct audience when advertising? We've all done it. Maximize privacy filters on our phones and apps because who wants to be talking about something for it to pop up mysteriously later? It's weird and everyone hates it. Did you know that podcast advertising is way more effective than display advertising? With 67% of listeners remembering brands and 63% making a purchase after hearing them. You know how much we love Zencaster, and their new creator network is no different. Whether you want to diversify your ad spend, add a new marketing stream, or test out podcast ads, Zencaster's creator network makes it easy for brands to connect with podcasters. Zencaster's creator network is a perfect place for you to get into podcast ads and sponsor your favorite creators, like us. So stop wasting advertising dollars on ad campaigns that aren't targeting your niche audience. Let Zencaster's creator network match you with podcasters who can ensure that your target audience is being reached. We love Zencaster so much and being able to see ad opportunities come across our dashboard with a percentage match to see how much our audiences line up is game changing. It helps creators really get behind brands that mean something to them. And with a podcast show for just about anything you can think of, your brand is no exception. Are you interested in sponsoring this show or podcast ads for your business? Go to zen.ai slash gruesome and fill out the contact information so Zencaster can help you bring your business story to life. I mean, I, even in the 90s, I would go ride my bike all day. It was like, come right, home to the I like, come took on. my kid to the public pool for the first time. They'd never been to a public pool. So I was like, you know what? Let's go. Let's go check it out. And we went and I was, she asked if I had been to them before. And I was like, yeah, my brother and I, we used to walk to the public pool. And I was thinking about that. And I was like, I had to be eight when I was doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, just take, get my towel, get my dollar bill, walk to the, like, walk to the pool. And like, uh, and it was, you know, a couple of blocks away, maybe like six blocks away. But now, like, I have a seven-year-old. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be like, no, no. walking to the pool. No, ma'am. <laughs> and I don't think it's that, like, I don't think it's anything against our parents because for the most part, I feel like we could. Like, you know, yeah, we could I, walk I think, around. 
I mean, that's it's the majority that are safe, you know, mm-hmm. and but it's that just those select these select cases that happen that makes everyone go, OK, it's not safe anymore. And that's, again, unfair <laughs> to these communities where these happen. Yeah. And like we them. we go camping and my oldest, like he has a phone and everything. And I was thinking back to like when I used to go camping with my family, like we had like a similar setup to like what I have now. Like we had a camper, like there was a pool, there was, you know, stuff to do. And I don't think at any point in the day you could come to my mom and be like, hey, where's Connie? That she would know specifically where I was. She'd be like, I don't know. She's out playing, She's enjoying the wedding. Yeah, I, I saw this mom on TikTok and I don't know the account, so I'm really sorry um, that I'm not crediting her with this. But she had a bracelet with an Apple AirTag in it and she like locked it around her kid's ankle when they were playing at the park. And I was like, that's genius. I was just talking about that for my middle son. I was like, my oldest, he we have two rules with this phone. It stays charged, stays on, and always on loud. Like, no matter what. So I to be call, silent. Yeah. When I call, you answer the first time because I'm going to call the second time thinking something has happened. And he will, you know, I, can, I have it where it's like tracking so I can always see like where he is. But I was thinking about my middle son. I was like, I'm going to air tag him. <laughs> like I'm gonna right, put, like I'm they gonna... put it in their shoe like in the tongue of their shoe I saw that too I'm like mm-hmm. that is I know that the air tags are kind of controversial because they people have been using them to stop people but I do think that they're great for that or like even in like people's dogs in their dog tags mm-hmm. keeping them there that's mm-hmm. awesome and I love that they are being used for then people are you know ingenious enough to use them for things like that or yeah. think to because I hadn't I hadn't thought like, oh, look, cute little bracelet, pop a tag in there. Got you tracked. Even though, I mean, most of the time I don't really go to parks big enough where. Yeah, I see that. Wander off. But I've been to parks that are big enough where that's so, that is easy to do. Or even and you if have they're to... just somewhere slightly out of view. Yeah. And I mean, they're going to get older. And I do think part of having kids is giving that trust to where it's like, okay, my old we I can see the soccer park from the end of my street so and it's right there like he he just right my oldest rides his bike across the street to like go play soccer with his friends and it was like a legitimate argument between my husband and I because he has the mindset like look he can do this he has his phone his friends are there you don't want to constantly be the mom that's like nope you can't do that because like we already don't really do sleepovers like that's you know, I have I, a, either. I have a few friends now that like I I know the family well enough that I would be comfortable with it. But for the most part, like my kids don't really do sleepovers. And it took a lot like and it was the first time he walked to the park and went there and played with his friends. I drove by probably like 10 times just to make sure like he was still alive. His friends and that's like, honestly, Dude, what's wrong with your mom? <laughs> yeah, I would do it like like I would I was low key about it. At least I thought I was. But it's, you know, it's. <laughs> I didn't, my mom never knew. And a lot, the crazy thing is like, we didn't have cell phones. Like I was running through the woods camping. Like we were in the creek. We were doing all kinds of weird oh, stuff. Yeah. Just, I like, remember even going to like ball games and you just, there was woods there and I would just like tromp through the woods, like exploring. Mm-hmm. I didn't know when that game ended. I just like would come back hopefully in time to not get Or the fair, go into the fair. Yeah, you just walk up, walk around. I remember Hartford Heritage Days. I'd be like, Mom, we're going. I was like seventh grade. I'm like, we're going to the fair. And like, I would just like walk up there and we'd be gone. And just, you know, 
And then of course it times, my friend. Yeah, we've talked openly about like us being in high school and being like, we're gonna go meet these boys we don't really know. And we're gonna, we're gonna lie to our strangers parents. from the internet. Let's do this. Strangers yeah. from the internet. We're not even gonna tell our parents what state we're in. We're just gonna go do this. And it's like it is like by no means is this any does this fall on her parents at all? Because this is something we all did. It's just you could do it, and then that one time you run across a disgusting monster like this man, and it changes everything forever. For everyone. For everyone. Because even I I mean this was a huge case in her area. Like, this is something that, you know, you, I think about you all the time. Like, that was what the first thing I was saying to my husband when he was, like, telling me to cut the cord. I was like, we grew up in a smaller town than this. And look what happened. Like, you know. You can't live in fear of it, though. Like, you can't yeah. live in fear of it happening. But being aware that it can happen is, like, you, he, like, you're oldest. He does have his phone. You're not letting your younger one who was you know almost my age when it happened to me mm -hmm. um he's not walking anywhere by himself right now he you know he gets a ride with his parents and i think just being aware that it is possible is like 80 percent of it like you can't I, protect your kids 100 percent of the time but you can do your best no. you can stay aware and know what is what could happen and I think it also goes now parents are more open about what can happen like, I live a 100% transparency, honesty with my kids. And when my oldest is like, why are you freaking out about this? And I was like, Miss Megan was kidnapped. And he was like, what? <laughs> you can I wish you could have been there to see that face. You can, like, let, like, you can inform them on the dangers of the world without going into the horrific details that a 12-year-old, 9-year-old little child should know. But you could just yeah. let them be aware because then they are more hyper aware of situations and they can, you know, be more prepared themselves and like be, you know, help themselves. But it's it's just a horrific had that conversation at home, too, with my seven year old and my husband always, always he tries to go into too much detail, and like break it down how it happened. And I'm like, hey, she doesn't need to know that. Just like how it happened, not like the specifics, but just like it was this and it was this kind of person and this and that. And I'm just like, just knowing that it did happen. And that's why we're a little bit more like, mm, no, you can't do that is I think mm -hmm. enough for her right I now, agree. maybe later. I agree. It's just, I am just so happy that cause her, like I said, her parents had passed away. So, but her siblings are aware of like the updates, like her, the remaining siblings. Well, yeah, I'm glad her siblings were able to get closure as well. Yeah. And it's, it's just like it just it's a gut punch. Like I don't like covering cases with, about kids at all, but I do like showing that cases can be closed. Like monsters, you cannot hide forever. People are going to find you. And honestly, as gross as it sounds, if you're listening to this and you are one of those people, like you're gonna coming up for you. We're coming. Two two ladies with a podcast. We're coming mm -hmm. for you. That's what I always say. Like if something, if anything ever happens to one of my kids, like you, I, I hope for your sake, the police find you before I track you down. Cause I may be able to, before they do. Our oh, network knows no limits. That was, that was a bummer case. That was a bummer case. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I'm, I am glad you told it and I'm glad that they got the closure. I'm interested to see, um, if anything else pings on that guy. I, I mean, it sounds like he's had quite the list of horrificness over the 
last couple of decades. So he's gross to see what else comes out of that. I hope there is some person sitting in that prison that he's going to go to who has nothing else to lose and maybe remembers this case or maybe, you know, I don't know. And then just is like, I'm going to fuck you up every day for the <laughs> rest of your life. You up. <laughs> and you said he's 70 now? 70. Ugh, sheesh. That's so, and he was 29. I mean, I know he went to, how long was he in prison? You said 14 years? Almost 20 years. Oh, almost 20 years. Wow. Yeah, because seven years after uh, her murder, he was arrested and convicted. A small comfort knowing he was gone for most of those. And I'm glad that he's back. Yeah, I agree. That was one of the thoughts that I had, too. I was like, you know what? I'm glad that he was away, but I can't even, like, let my mind go to the place where I'm thinking about the seven years that he was out in the world. Because it's, I, I, I'm sure, like, this is not, these two cases are not isolated incidents. No. And I'm sorry I mispronounced her name at the beginning as well. I was thinking about that the whole time you talked. That was my bad. No, it's, uh, it could be Anne. But in interviews, the pronunciation was Annie. So I don't know if they're calling it a term of endearment or if like they did call her Annie or her name was pronounced Annie. I'm sure someone's going to be like, Connie, you said that wrong. Like, how dare you? But I was not <laughs> meaning. I was not meaning to. How could you? Well, it's just. Mm -hmm. Okay. One more ad to tell you how much we love Zencaster. If you're listening to this and you're thinking that you could start a podcast, you should. Zencaster makes starting a podcast so easy. With their high-quality recording in both audio and video, Zencaster is the perfect platform to start your podcast journey. We've said it before, there is only one you and your voice is important. Use it to start a podcast today. We'd love to help you. Head over to Zencaster.com pricing and enter code GRUESOME for 30% off your first three months. And then tell us what you're creating. Thanks, guys, for sticking with us for us to record late. I was indisposed, to say the least. It was the worst time I've had. I would rather have COVID again than go through the 24 hours I've just had. Well, and also, I don't know if every, especially newer listeners realize this, but we do everything that is gruesome podcast is just Connie and I. Like, yeah. no one else is in here editing or posting or talking. It's all us. So, the research, the scripts, and we so don't. So when we're late, if we have a, if, we're, if something happens to one of us, it's going to cause a, a bit of a delay. Yeah. And we, um, if you have a podcast and you're like, oh, that's not how I write like my things. I do like a rough outline. Like I applaud you. My brain doesn't work like that. Meg I, and I both type out our entire scripts. Obviously, like our conversations are genuine. We don't type those out. But like the yeah, case we don't itself, talk about them beforehand either so that we no. do have uh, actual conversations around them. But we do have to write all of our episodes. Yeah, she never knows who I'm covering until she sees it pop up on like the Zencaster page, like for the invite. And I never know who she's covering until I text her right before I create the session. Yeah. And I like it like that. I will. We. I do too. Cause I like that we get to have, I mean, we schedule this time to be able to talk in general, but it's nice to. I, there are very, I can't even think of one right now that you've done that I already knew about. I might've had like an idea about it, but 
yeah, all the cases that we have covered so far, I have not. I've genuinely not heard before. So I'm like, what? It's like Same I get my yours. own personal podcast. <laughs> and it's crazy because uh, we talked about this at our little pa- our Discord live this past weekend. Meg was not a true crime like connoisseur at all. Like she, we, she was like, I want to hang out with you. And if this is what we got to do, then let's do it. And she is that now. Like she is obsessed with it like I am. But I was the one who was, I've been reading about true crime for like 20 years now. And I loved Unsolved Mysteries and like shows like that. But I just never was like, I wasn't listening to a lot of true crime podcasts. I was listening to like a lot of um, like folklore and fantasy podcasts, book podcasts, stuff like that before we, she was like, let's do true crime. I was like, okay, let's go. Because we were like, what do we know a lot about? I was like, I know a lot about murder, but that's like where it stops. <laughs> and then I thought it was, I mean, we both brought like unique perspectives. Like I have like, you know, the, I have a domestic abuse, unfortunately, background and like that type of situation. And then you obviously have your situation. And it was even when um, if you haven't looked, if you just started listening and you haven't listened to episode two where Meg tells her story, I highly recommend it. Um, because honestly, up until that point, I had never heard Megan's story either. Like it was something we never really, like both, we have like our demented humor, which most people would find off-putting. Like I remember being like, uh, my mom be like, you guys have to be careful. And I'm like, oh, I'm going with Meg. She's not going to get kidnapped twice. <laughs> it would make my parents so uncomfortable. They're like, mm, you're right. But also that is the one guy that got struck by lightning seven times. You never know. <laughs> or however many times you got struck by lightning i hope not but i i couldn't be me i'm sorry could be. i love the i love that we never know and you have i when we first started the podcast i had the pompous thought like i'm going to know every case meg ever talks about because i know everything about true crime and then it rarely happens and i effing love that oh man hold on one second my headphones are about to die. They're 10%. I keep getting, you keep cutting out. My headphones are going, battery low. Please charge now. That's why I plug. I I have so many smart things like wireless and I still will. Like I have a well, I was now. using them, but my, on my laptop that we record on, my mic won't work if I plug my headphones. Yeah, I remember it. that. That's that was- why I'm like. That was that was happened for months that I couldn't figure out why that wasn't working. I always now uh, when someone's like, I just started listening to you guys, and I'm like, hang in there. The sound quality and the editing gets way better because that was a learn on the fly. <laughs> that was neither. That was a learn on the. Yeah, I thought you said that was a learn on the fly, and I was like, what is a learn on the fly? Oh, a turd. Okay, turd. Yeah, it was a turd on the fly. At some point, I think I will, especially the Trisha Reitler episode, because that one I did not write the script for. I just did a rough outline, and I was like, I will never do that again that was the first and the last time but at some point we may like remaster some of those we have the tools now we know how to we have the capabilities um but i think that's about it i will end by saying if you are not um one of our patrons please go check that out we have a really cool ad free listening that is dirt cheap if you want to go that route there's no judgment on our part we get it uh, or we have the sticker of the month club. The sticker of the month, which we- I just ordered, and I'm not going to tell you what they are, but I will tell you that they're holographic. They are holographic, and I'm so excited. I'm actually going to 
subscribe to the sticker of the month club for these stickers because I hardly ever get any of them because <laughs> every time we order extra and I'm like, I'm going to be able to have one this month. And then more of you guys sign up and we love that. But then I'm like, shit, I didn't get a sticker this month. <laughs> Never again. Never again. <laughs> it's, I'm, but yeah, we do uh, Discord lives this past weekend. We did one where it was like a true crime trivia and like we are giving out three pretty gnarly prizes for it. And we do, Meg, usually once a year, we'll do a, like a murder mystery, a murder mystery that gets like really cool gifts. I think I do the murder mystery party yet this year, but it's coming. it's coming. I think a summer one would be fun. Summer I one. I have something in the works when I uh, go on break. From- yes. And we, you know, you get to hang out with us. You have direct access to us. The, you get mini bonus episodes. You get a full bonus episode for different tiers and I don't think we'll ever go above ten dollars because that seems to be a pretty. I think like, that's good. Yeah, yeah. That seems I like think good. after ten dollars, you start noticing that money's gone, and I'm, <laughs> I'm like, hey, where did that twelve dollars go? <laughs> I oh yeah, I can have a New York Times subscription. That was it. I paid eighty dollars. This is the brain that I have, guys. I paid eighty dollars for a year of newspapers.com. I just did it again. I had renewed it before. And then I was like, I'm going to do a free trial. And I don't know which one of my burner emails I used. So now I can't even use my newspapers.com subscription. I had to make another burner email for another trial the last couple of weeks because I'm like, I don't know. I had to email them to be like, hey, what did I use? Because I Can paid you help this. me. <laughs> uh, and that's on not remembering username and passwords. Yeah, usually I save all of it. I thought I maybe used my husband's email and then I, my son has one for his phone. And I was like, did I use that email? Did I use my old emails from high school? Like, what did I use? Because <laughs> I see the charge that came out, but I just don't, I don't know what I, I did know. with it. Came from. <laughs> yeah, I don't know which account. Did you get that noted? Did you get it figured out? No, I just emailed him a couple days ago and I haven't heard back. So I'm running out of emails to use. <laughs> I was like, please just look up Connie Brady and they're going to be like, there's 13 accounts under that name. You know, that seems like a them problem. Maybe they should like readjust how they allow people to sign up if that's the case. <laughs> that's right. site security. All right. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime, a Zencaster-powered podcast. Seriously, we wouldn't be here without them. Zencaster is simple to use and makes it easy to edit your own podcast. Zencaster gives you automatic, high-quality post-production sound, transcription, and HD video recordings of all of your episodes. If you want to start a podcast, and we think you should, click the link in the show notes or at our website and use the code GRUESOME with a capital G for 30% off your first three months. We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, here are some ways that you can support Gruesome. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or a five-star rating on Spotify. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us. Follow us at Gruesome Podcast on Instagram or TikTok and talk to us on our posts. Join the Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and gain access to bonus episodes and exclusive Patreon perks. Or if a one-time donation is more your thing, we have a Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and a PayPal 
via our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us your questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye.